<clears throat> come Holy Spirit, come by means of the powerful intercession of the Immaculate Mary, thy well-beloved spouse, and the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. If you look at the front of the bulletin today, you'll see um, in color it says the World Day of Marriage. And I'm going to depart from the Gospel today to speak about Christian marriage, marriage from Christian perspective to understand it as Christ wants us to. We have to go back to the beginning, to the book of Genesis, where we read that God created them, male and female. This is why a man leaves his father and mother and cleaves to his wife, and the two of them become one flesh. In these words, we see God instituting marriage when he created Adam and Eve before that original sin, and that marriage is a great mystery. In marriage, husband and wife are united not only in mind and heart, but truly become one flesh. However, after that original sin for our first parents, the human race fell from God's grace, and because of our fallen nature and our inclination to sin and selfishness, people found it a challenge to remain faithful to the marriage bond. In fact, the law of Moses allowed the Israelites to divorce and remarry. Then Jesus came. And in chapter 19 of Matthew's Gospel, we read how Jesus changed the teaching and practice. The Pharisees came to him and questioned him, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any reason Whatever, and Jesus answered, Have you not read that from the beginning the Creator made them male and female, and said, For this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, no man must separate. And the Pharisees, hearing this, protested, saying, Why then did Moses command that a man give the woman a bill of divorce and dismiss her. And Jesus responded, Because of the hardness of your hearts, Moses allowed you to divorce your wives. But from the beginning it was not so. I say to you, whoever divorces his wife, unless the marriage is unlawful and marries another, commits adultery. <clears throat> Jesus here repeats the same words he had said in the Sermon on the Mount is the same teaching. And with these words, Jesus did two things. He restored marriage to his original dignity, as God had planned from the beginning. And secondly, he raised marriage from a purely natural institution to a sacrament, so that spouses would receive special graces to help them to live out their vows in fidelity and holiness. Now, why? Does Jesus insist that the bond of marriage is unbreakable? That what God has joined, no man can separate? Well, the reason is because in God's plan, Christian marriage is intended to be a covenant, which is an image or a reflection of the mystical marriage covenant between Christ, the bridegroom, and the church, his bride. And St. Paul reveals this to us. In chapter 5 of Ephesians, he said, after quoting Genesis, a man shall leave his father and mother, be joined to his wife, and two become one flesh. Right afterwards, he goes on to say, This is a great mystery, 
but I speak in reference to Christ and the Church. You see, the marriage covenant of love between Christ and His Church is a bond that is totally faithful and unbreakable. And the covenant of love in Christian marriage is intended by God to reflect these qualities. That is why spouses promise to be faithful and true to each other until death. Fidelity and permanency are two of the goods of marriage that make up part of the marriage promises. A valid sacramental marriage cannot be broken. Even if one of the spouses is unfaithful to the marriage covenant, goes out and gets a civil divorce and attempts remarriage, enters into one civilly. Why is this? Well, because God has made them one flesh. And that is a bond that is unbreakable, that lasts until death. And this is precisely why Jesus teaches that what God has joined together, no human power can separate. And that one who divorces his or her spouse and marries another commits adultery unless the marriage is unlawful. And this clear teaching of Jesus is the reason why those who are divorced and then civilly remarried cannot receive Holy Communion because such persons are living in a state of serious sin, adultery. And their state and condition of life objectively contradict that union of love between Christ and the Church, which is signified and affected by the Eucharist. That's, those words are from Pope John Paul II in his Apostolic Exhortation from Leaders and Sorcery. The only way that a couple could do this is if they couldn't separate because of children, they have to live together as brother and sister. Well, we know that this teaching is being challenged right now <clears throat> from Pope Francis's document, his apostolic exhortation, Amoris Laetitia. And just in the news over the past weeks, the bishops from Malta and now the German bishops have said that they're going to allow those who are in a second bond, but just a civil bond, are still married to the original spouse, but living in an adulterous relationship to receive communion without living as brother and sister. Can't do this. This is against the revealed teaching of Jesus Christ. And <clears throat> you just have to pray that, well, God will straighten things out, because this is really a de facto schism in the church that's going on right now. Those words of Jesus that I just quoted are also the basis for the Church's teaching on what is called annulments. The Declaration of Nullity means that from the very beginning, the marriage, for some reason, was unlawful. It wasn't a true marriage. Therefore, if after an investigation the Church grants a Declaration of Nullity, then the spouses are free to marry, because there was no marriage in that first bond true marriage. <clears throat> One of the things I enjoy as a priest is preparing couples for the sacrament of holy matrimony to bring them to a better understanding of the beauty of the truth of this great mystery of Christian marriage, which is ordered toward the procreation and education of children and to the good of the spouses. They are to help each other to become saints in this life and to get to heaven our final goal. And through daily prayer, through reception of the sacraments of the Holy Eucharist, 
witness them together more closely in love and the sacrament of penance. We all need that, especially spouses. And by striving to daily practice charity, Christian love, with the help of God's grace, they can attain that goal. Well, on this World Day of Marriage, I'll end by quoting from a beautiful exhortation before marriage, which used to be read at wedding masses, which I sometimes read at wedding celebrations. I won't read the whole thing, but I'll read it in part. It's very beautiful for the benefit of those especially who are married. Today, not knowing what is before you, you take each other for better or for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health, until death. Truly, these words are most serious. It is a beautiful tribute to your undoubted faith in each other. Because these words involve such solemn obligations, it is most fitting that you rest the security of your wedded life upon the great principle of self-sacrifice. And so you begin your married life by the voluntary and complete surrender of your individual lives in the interest of that deeper and wider life which you are to have in common. Henceforth, you belong entirely to each other. You will be one in mind, one in heart, and one in affections. And whatever sacrifices you may hereafter be required to make to preserve this common life, always make them generously. Sacrifice is usually difficult and irksome. Only love can make it easy, and perfect love can make it a joy. We are willing to give in proportion as we love, and when love is perfect, the sacrifice is complete. No greater blessing can come to your married life than pure, conjugal love, loyal and true to the end. May this love, with which you join your hands and hearts today, never fail, but grow deeper and stronger as the years go on. And if true love and the unselfish spirit of perfect sacrifice guide your every action, you can expect the greatest measure of earthly happiness that may be allotted to man in this veil of tears. The rest is in the hands of God. Nor will God be wanting in your needs, he will pledge you the lifelong support of his graces in the holy sacrament which you are now going to receive. <clears throat> well, on this World Day of Marriage, let us pray for all married couples that they may live out their beautiful vocation to Christian marriage in holiness and attain that supreme end for which we all strive, the glory of heaven. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.